let's be real. Home is the place where all of the beautiful goodness Christ taught crashes headfirst into the ugly brick wall that is real life. But this is also where it starts to really matter. This is where we equip ourselves and our family with all of the tools, skills, and whatchamacallits vital to succeed in Christ. Join us in our journey to find light, positivity, and specific practical ways to make our homes little outposts of heaven so we can better brighten wherever we end up wandering. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Outpost of Heaven, the podcast. Thanks for sticking with us. Yeah, this is episode two. And we have a guest today. I'm Andrew, by the way. Yes, my husband Andrew's here with me. And we have Rochelle Chase, and we're super excited to welcome her on with us today. So excited to be here. Thanks for having me. You're totally welcome. We're super excited about it. um, Today, well, let me just introduce her a little bit. Um, She is an awesome mom of five. She's not only our close personal friend, but she um, has a lot of experience with... um, Yes, thank you. Life coaching. Thank you for helping me in my uh, word search there. But she has a lot of experience with life coaching. That is her profession. And a lot of great insight about self-care and self-love. And so that's what we want to talk a lot about today. She also loves spending time with her family and she loves to travel. She has written a blog in the past and is gonna um, is planning on starting that back up again, but she's also written a book, co-written a book called Achieve Conversations with Top Achievers. And we will link her website and the book in our show notes. Yeah, and we expect all of you to go out and buy that book up. I'm as super soon excited as over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. And just to give you guys a little bit of a uh, little bit more background. As Emily and I were talking about who we wanted to have on to our podcast, uh, Rochelle immediately came to mind. Uh, mm-hmm. She's the kind of person when she walks in the room, you can tell that she is praying and looking for someone to go help. Um, and she can't lie about that because she has admitted this to us several <laughs> times before. So she walks in the room, you can see she's looking for somebody who needs to be lifted up. Um, and she has this amazing ability to find people who need a confidence boost, a reminder of their value and all those things. And she's able to find them and then give them that boost and help them feel like a million bucks. And that's the the thing we want to help our listeners, all of you guys find in yourself and be able to find in your family. We hope by the end of this episode, you're starting to understand yourself better and love yourself better and feel that uplifting goodness that Rochelle has to offer. Also, we want to thank her. Last last thing, we want to thank you. Uh, Part of our culture here at Outpost 7 Podcast, we want to, as much as possible, record our episodes in the homes of our guests so we can get a feel for the the atmosphere and their outpost that they've been able to develop with the skills that they're going to talk about here with you today. Yeah, so thanks for having us, Rochelle. Oh, this is such an honor, and thank you for that introduction. Is there anything else you'd like to add? (laughs) Oh, I don't know. I think our discussion will bring up some of the the passions and purposes I feel in my life right now, so I'm excited to share. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Thank you so much. Okay. Well, then, it's time to introduce our first guest segment that we're going to be doing as much as possible. Yes. Uh, We haven't thought of a fun name for it, so we're just going to call it Funny Fa- fails? Fails that you can laugh about. <laughs> now. Maybe not in the Yeah. <laughs> not always fails you can laugh about in the moment, but fails you can laugh about retrospectively. Yeah. So when we do these episodes that we bring a guest on, we want to do these little segments of everyone shares a little fail that we can laugh about and realize right. 
don't we're know, not humble perfect. ourselves a little bit. Yeah, because we want to be vulnerable. That's one of our core Definitely. values here. We want to help help you realize that we are not perfect and that we do dumb things just like you do. Unless Jesus is listening, then you haven't done those things. So, um, as in Jesus hasn't done those things. Jesus hasn't done those. Things. He's perfect. <laughs> That's right. I don't know if you got that. Emily connected the dots. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, so we're talking about the fails this week. So we'll let Emily go first. I'll go first. Yeah. Okay. So last week or two weeks ago, I went to Lagoon, which is a like amusement park slash water park in Utah, and it was towards the end of the day and. I peed my pants. <laughs> um, she sneezed. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't even like on a ride. I wasn't scared or spooked or like didn't jump or anything weird. I just sneezed. And <laughs> that's what being a mom will do to you. You yeah. will lose your bladder control. Yeah. Totally relate. Babe. Totally relate. We didn't say this last time, but we have two children who are the light of our lives yes. and also the reason we pull out our hair. And they are but such darling so children. Oh my goodness. Thank you. So we love them. Yeah. So fun. Yeah, so Rochelle, would you like to show yours? Yeah, I have um, a funny one that is kind of exposes my age. I'm 44. No shame. No shame in no age. Shame. That's just being human, right? And um, But I have some teenagers who are this, I guess the phrase is Gen Z, like Generation Z for these, these young teenagers nowadays. Mm-hmm. And they have a whole new language that is absolutely foreign to me. So let me just share, and you Gen Z kids out there will totally relate. And we'll see how many of these are actual Gen Z and how many have been around for a while. That's right, that's right. Okay, okay, here we go. Slide into their DMs. Like, what in the world? I guess that's like move into your space or something. Yeet. Dudes got (laughs) clapped. Rip. Took an L. Sup. I mean, sup. You know, it's like, what's up? Sup. Uh I get that. Lit, like this is lit. Yeah, you I know that, that one. I know that one. Okay. I don't know this next one. Okay, this is so funny, and I have to like get it right. Oh, oh, it's oh, like you roll, there you go. Like See, you got the you got the roll of the like, tongue. Is okay? Is that what they're trying to say? I. Yeah, but this is mean? the fun thing. Yeet and what you just said. <laughs> oh, they don't okay. even have definitions. They can't even tell me what it means. Like, and so I annoying. try, and I'm like, Mom, don't you dare. Don't. Don't. Just, just stop. stop. Just, <laughs> just stop. Yeah. It, it's for it's for teenagers. Don't go there. So it's just funny. Okay. Skirt. Like, skirt. You know, like reverse. Uh-huh. They'll, they'll like, do this okay. little motion with their hand like they're going in reverse. That's so cute. I'm going to dip. Like, I'm going to get out of here. I don't, oh, I've heard weird. That one. Okay. Bet. Like, I hear it all the time. Bet. Yeah. Just, just bet, like, okay. bet on it, like, you know. Um, oof. Have you guys heard that no. one? Like, woke, no. like, like, oops. Oof. Yeah. 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 I've heard okay. oops. Yeah. I think I've done oof before. No need to flex. Is that like, don't be like, <laughs> like don't show flex off. is like, yeah, exactly. Don't show, don't show okay. off. Facts, like, instead of legit or. Okay. Yeah. Like yeah. Facts, yeah. 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 The facts. And then it instead I, of all okay. right. Yeah, it's it. I don't a know. A lot of these it's that just, you, yeah. They're... So they took an L. Yeah, some of these I'm just like, okay, whatever. And I tried to use it and they're like, mom, stop. <laughs> so that's my film. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. <laughs> what? But I think half of those were around like when I was in high school. Are you serious? Yeah. I, I wouldn't mean, say half. I don't know. Maybe I was out of the loop. But like, I recognized like two of those. Emily things. was a choir kid though. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> no yeah. dissing on choir kids. No, I loved choir. That's right. And I wasn't I that it. weird. You didn't know me in high school. I've seen What pictures. is weird? Here we go. Are we ready? Right, <laughs> what right. is weird? Okay. All right. I think we spent enough time on this. Just yeah. give you an idea. 
We're real people with funny Love thoughts. It. Okay. That's awesome. So, Andrew, why don't you introduce our topic for today? Okay. Uh, getting a little bit of background in how we operate. Um, we try not to come to our guests with a specific topic. What we do is we ask them a series of questions about their outpost of heaven and what that looks like in their home and how they've developed that and what important aspects of that there is in their life that they, they find themselves always talking about. Um, and basically bas- like their passion. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Because we want them to basically pick the topic. Uh, and based off of our conversation, we decided that our topic for today is how distorted perceptions of reality rob us of the ability to see ourselves as Christ does. I think beautiful. it's a really relevant topic today because there's a lot of um, things that we can compare ourselves to or like m- means by which we're comparing ourselves. Um, and it's really hard to remember that Christ sees you differently than you see yourself. And he's a lot kinder to you than you are to yourself. And that's something I need to remember too. So we would love to dive into that topic today. Yeah. So first, let's talk about what a perception is. Mm-hmm. Can you like just describe that a little bit sure, for us? Sure, sure. I love this. I'm excited. So thanks again. Um, okay, so if you think about it, we come to this earth as a blank slate, right? Mm-hmm. And we come and we have parents and we have an environment. We may have come into a family with siblings, without siblings, but we also have this whole world that we're gaining information from on a daily basis. And we were even talking earlier about this idea of kids absorb so much in those young years of life, just constant, their neurotransmitters are just constantly firing, taking in information. Mm -hmm. So this whole idea of perception is the fact that we can see something happen and based on you know, those experiences, those formative experiences growing up, we can create basically a storyline on an experience we have based on things that we have already experienced. So someone who grew up in a totally different culture may look at an experience that we're, you know, maybe we and they are seeing, but they come up with a totally different storyline of how they're interpreting that experience based on how they grow up, their environment, their culture, their family life. And so perception is not necessarily based in capital T truth. It can be based in experience and opinion and emotion. And so that's really important to be aware of when we're perceiving experiences is that our internal dialogue and experiences can can put a spin on the experience that we have that may not be based in the capital T truth but based in our perceptions of the reality. And so that can be detrimental and it can also be very helpful and beautiful if we're vulnerable and willing to share and be honest about what's going on inside of us. This is a a topic that I really love, but I also find extremely nuanced. Sure. Because as believers in Christ, we believe, or as you know, people who believe in God, we believe in absolute truth. We mm-hmm. believe in mm-hmm. truth, capital T. That's right. Uh, but it gets a lot more complicated when we realize that there is absolute truth, but not everyone has as much of that light in their own life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's really complex for me as we try and interact with other people with different backgrounds. Right. 
because they have different experiences or different perceptions yes. uh, that kind of influence the way they act. Uh, but it's super, I don't even know how to describe it. It, it. It's very difficult because I don't want to fall into the relativist trap mm-hmm. where we say, like, mm-hmm. oh, like everyone has their own truth and they do, yeah, their, yeah, they yeah. do the thing. Like you do you and that's your truth. Yeah. Uh, because that's not what Christ taught. That's not what it actually is. So how do you balance those two right. ideas? Those ideas of like individual perceptions based right. on experience and the idea of like right Christ, and wrong and yeah, truth. Yeah. Christ and yeah. actual truth. Yeah, right. Yeah. I think that's such a good point. And um, the way I like to look at it is is referring to it as true versus truth. Mm. Like uh-huh. capital T-R-U-T-H versus true. So someone's true for them, we can have compassion for right? Because they've had their formative experiences and their emotions and feelings wrapped up around something. So we can have a lot of compassion for someone's true. Mm -hmm. But so let me explain it this way is that true is subjective. True is based in opinion, based in emotion, based in things that can change from one moment to a next. Whereas truth is based in facts Reality Mm -hmm. is based in what can be seen by a third party observer. So it's not just someone's opinion of the experience, but someone looking in can say the same, you know, can see the same thing. Like verifiable. Verifiable evidence, right. Um, it's it's, It's unchanging. It's like eternal truths that are unchanging, fixed, constants, whereas true or perceptions are changing and um, can be shifted. So, I mean, just a common example, the car is blue. Mm-hmm. That's a fact that can be seen by many people. Right. I like that car because it's blue. Mm-hmm. Is perception is right. my true. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's, I mean, that's a, just a very basic, but you can see the difference where it's the difference between true and truth. And I really believe our, our job is not to condemn or judge people for their true, but to be open and acknowledge that they've had experience, they've had, they have had a lifetime of emotion and feeling wrapped up in, in all different kinds of experience. And so my job as a disciple of Christ, because this is what Christ does, he has compassion, he sees the heart. Mm-hmm. He, he understands and is willing to see more than just behavior or opinion, but okay, well, help me understand that perspective. Help me understand where you got there. I want to see you. I want to understand you. Right. Yeah. Well, unless my wiser and more aged wife... More aged. <laughs> I'm four months older than you. <laughs> my wiser and more aged wife disagrees with me. Um, I think uh, what we want to focus on first is the how this all applies within the realm of yourself. Like, mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. later on focus on how... I love that. ...on how we need to apply that to other people. Because mm-hmm. you, know, you have to save yourself first. Yep. And then you can then you're capable and you're in a place where you can reach out and help mm-hmm. other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so can we move on a little bit and talk about Please. how this applies to you, mm-hmm. how this applies to us as individuals? Right, right, right. So in our own minds, we I like to use the word distortion because distortion just, as you said, distorted perceptions of reality. Um, so I like to think of it as I really have two forces at work within myself. And that is God and Satan, if I want to refer to that that way, mm-hmm. truth or error, right. good or evil, right? Um, and so I like to think of the fact that I, and this power of agency that we've all been given, gives me this beautiful opportunity to choose 
how I'm going to act on the experience that I have. Everything that we choose is based first on a thought and a thought is based in a belief system that I have created based on experience, based on... So when you think about it, so this, let me just explain this cycle. So we have an experience, the experience will trigger a thought and that thought can be based in truth or it can be based in distorted perceptions of reality. So mm -hmm. distortion, okay? If I have, if I believe the distorted perception of my reality, of the, how I'm perceiving the experience, then what's gonna happen next is I'm gonna have a feeling. And that feeling automatically attaches to whatever thought I have had. Right. I don't necessarily choose the feeling, I choose the thought, but that feeling automatically attaches. For example, if I think in my head, I am so ugly, right? The feeling that's most likely gonna to attach to that is not gonna be a happy, oh, I'm great feeling, <laughs> no. right? It's probably gonna be self-hatred and you know, discouragement and depression. And yeah. so what naturally comes after a feeling is a behavior. So how am I gonna act on that feeling? And typically if, if I'm looking at my own life, because this is in my own life, typically that would mean I'd isolate myself and I wouldn't wanna to go to school or I wouldn't wanna show up I, because I was feeling so ugly and ugly meant for me unacceptable, right? Mm -hmm. So again, do you see the, the perception? Right. My perception, what does ugly mean? Mm -hmm. We all have definitions around these words of success, of what love is, around what, you know, what mm -hmm. beauty is, you know? And yeah. those are all, those can be very distorted. And then that action will lead to an outcome. And then that outcome leads to another experience. And then that cycle just keeps going and going and going. So if we base our perception of our experience from a very distorted place that is not based in the truth of who I am, because truth is simply this. I am divine and I am human. Period. End of story. That is who I am. If I go into any other definition of who I am, like I'm so ugly, I'm a failure, then I'm in distortion. What about yeah. positive things? You said like if your identity is based off like I'm ugly or I'm a uh -huh. failure. What if your definition like I'm pretty attractive or like I okay. like, like yeah. I'm like I'm really good at like running. you can have like a distorted perception that's maybe a little too prideful or something, right? Okay, so that that's think? such a beautiful point because this there are two flavors of distortion. Mm -hmm. One is self-denigration, which is I'm not enough, right. and one is self or self-adulation, which is I'm better than. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So those are both based in shame and pride. Mm -hmm. Shame is another big part here. Another way to describe distortion is shame or pride. Mm -hmm. And those are, they're really just two different ends of the so same you said stick. Distortion and adulation, or what was the distortion? No, distortion is oh, like the, the, the cover. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And it's then like so the it's... umbrella. And then here we have two positions or flavors or presentations right. of distortion. Right. One is self adulation, which is pride, and I'm better than. Like, I'm so good. I'm so good. <laughs> I'm, I'm so beautiful. Yeah. I'm like, there you yeah, go. I'm there flexing. you go. We need to play. Yeah, yeah totally. That's interesting. So, Emma and I were talking about this topic a little bit earlier um wondering if one is if one flavor is more masculine or more feminine hmm. i think in our marriage emily was i'm like more towards the first example self-denigrated yes. mm -hmm. i am more of the 
I have more of the issue of like the adulation, adulation, adulation. I'm like, I'm so, I'm so good. Like, Uh look at me doing these cool things. And I have to like constantly work. Sure. Like he builds me up and I have to tear him down. Yes. That's that's a relationship. I don't tear him down. I make her feel good and she makes me feel like I actually am. Which is worse than I feel. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. No, I'm not that mean. I don't necessarily want a group that is more feminine or masculine Mm -hmm. because I really believe Satan ping pongs us from those two extremes all the time Mm -hmm. because he wants to derail us and keep us confused about what our true identity and divine nature is. I guess that's true. Like for him, I guess like as long as it's not what you really are, he doesn't matter if it's... Yep. Yep. He just wants to keep us in distortion because if we're in distortion, we're out of peace yeah. And that yeah. leads us to misery. Well, it's like the the definition of of sin that you hear a lot in Sunday school. How sin, I believe in the Greek, was actually just falling short or being off target. Mm-hmm. And so Satan doesn't care if you're above target or to the left of target or to the right or exactly. below. It's just not off. being on yeah. target. Yeah, yeah, and that yeah. also makes sense. The idea of ping ponging back and forth, mm-hmm. because usually what happens in my life is like. I'm doing really good. I'm exercising. I have like good legs. I'm getting good oh grades in school, and like all these good things are happening. I'm getting like I'm getting interviews for jobs, that kind of stuff. And then Emily's like, "I think you're getting a little fat-headed." Or yeah. Something, <laughs> something something like that. And then I'm like, "Oh, I'm a terrible person." Yeah, like, and then it just exactly. like jumps right to the exactly. Opposite. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. so human. That is so human. Like I, that is one of my experiences. Is that you know I go to the workout. And I'm, I'm pumping some weights and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm doing so good. And then I'll look to the person next to me and they've got way heavier weights. And I'm just like, I am such a weakling. (laughs) It's like instantaneously within seconds, we can be ping ponging between those two positions. And it's just crazy that heavenly father knows us so well, but Satan knows us really well too. Oh, he does. Because he studies us. Yep. Yeah. Yep. He reads Back to us. our first episode. Satan is a punk. He is yeah, a total is a punk. punk. And I want to punch him in his He's big fat face. He's a slippery, slimy snake. Yeah. Yes, he is. And it's and it's true. We have to be on guard, and that's one mm. of my passions too. Is teaching, teaching how I, teaching how to other people how to see him. Mm-hmm. Where is he in my head? What is he telling me? What shame or pride-based lies, self-adulating, self-denigrating is he telling me? And if I can really see him, if I choose to become aware and see those lies, then I can give that stuff back to back to him and not own it as mine. Right. Just because I hear the phrase, I am so ugly in my head, does not make it true about me. No. Mm-hmm. It means he's planting a thought in my head to get me derailed, to get me believing distorted lies about myself. Because if he can get me derailed, then I, I become miserable and I become discouraged and depressed because I am not centered on the truth of who I really am. Mm-hmm. So where did your passion about this topic come from? Where did it start? Yes. Like how, have you, how have you come to this point where you can talk about it so like matter-of-factly? Right. My yeah. guess is that it came from a fortune cookie. Is that where it started? <laughs> Bingo! <laughs> no, not exactly. Um, this this has been a lifelong journey. My story goes back to when I was just a kid, and I everybody's stories do. It all starts there. Yeah. That's where we all get messed that's, up. That's exactly not right. Not by fault. any, no. right? And that's the whole point here is that I am not a believer of blame. No. I'm a believer that we all do the very best that we can. Maybe we don't understand certain principles and how to do that in parenting. Parenting, and we all get to have a journey 
of learning how to get more centered in Christ. And, and yeah. I believe all of us are doing the best we can. That's why we should all feel bad for the first child. That's right. And I was <laughs> the, the first game. child. And, I was the first child. Emily and I were both first children as well. <laughs> yeah, we're all, all right. Like, all right. The first child club. Thanks, Mom and Dad, for our complexes. That's right. Appreciate That's right. it. That's not no, we're not blaming. Yeah. We're not no. Blaming. no, because, I mean, Hiram's going to have issues because of us, too. Yes. So I'm sorry about that. But so. that's his journey, right? right? Yeah. That we all have this mortal journey of having to work through distortion and shame and pride in order to come closer to Christ. That's what it's all right. about. Right. And it's got to start somewhere with some imperfect people, you know, yeah. or else yeah. we'd be perfect. So, yeah. anyway. And I think the, I just want to emphasize this point. Like, while we say that... Um, our false perceptions and our, our correct perceptions you know, often come from our childhood, from our parents. That is not a get-out-of-jail-free yes, card. Yes, exactly. Oh, my goodness. So oh, you're sorry. fine. Oh, you're, you're fine. fine. That's, it's not a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's not an opportunity for you to say, oh, it's because my parents like didn't love me Absolutely. enough. Or my parents threw me in a pool with a life jacket on to teach me how to swim, which Iron. is the struggle <clears throat> we're going, around, going through with our son right now. Yeah. Um, like This is not a excuse Mm -hmm. it is something we need to realize so that we can uh, we can act accordingly that's right but it's not an excuse it's not an excuse it's not a place of blame and accusation and it's because we are each responsible for our own experiences in life right Mm -hmm. i mean well i I take that back we're responsible for how we perceive our experiences because we are affected by our own choices we are affected by other people's choices and we are affected by random natural events that have we have absolutely no control over yeah. But we always are responsible for our thoughts, our feelings, and our choices. Right. Mm-hmm. And we'll be held accountable for those. So, yeah. But anyway, back to my story. Um, I, I grew up in a very loving home. And I'm grateful for parents who were very devoted to God and still are to this day. And I'm grateful for their example. And um, I did not feel heard and seen growing up. And that caused a lot of issues within myself because I interpreted that to mean that I was not lovable and that I needed to be my faulty core belief. How you'd like to phrase it is how I, how I have phrased it is I need to be, I need to be perfect in order to be lovable and acceptable. Mm. And I think as we, as you go on this journey of like self-discovery and self-introspection and really learning about yourself, it, it is amazing to really see how formative those faulty core beliefs can be for your world, for the experiences you have in life. And it's a humbling, it's a humbling place to be. But I, I felt that way. And so I lived my life at this place of trying to be perfect. And so at age 15, I got to this point where I realized this isn't working. Like I just can't be perfect. But there wasn't this understanding that oh, I'm human, therefore I can't be perfect. It was this understanding of, I am perfect, therefore I'm a failure, I'm bad, I can't do it, I'm not lovable, I'm not acceptable. So it all became this very deep place of shame. Mm. Sounds like a very happy place. Oh my goodness. Well, and and what many of us do when we have a ton of pain and don't know how to manage it is we resort to addiction and escape. Mm -hmm. And so I developed an eating disorder at the age of 15. And in an effort to try and escape these feelings of pain and hurt and shame that I was feeling. And as we know, addiction does not solve anything. It only makes it worse. And, but I, I had no idea of how to choose anything different. And so that lasted for a period of 22 years. I, I did everything 
everything that I could possibly find to help myself heal. I was on a quest for truth mm-hmm. to, to find what is it going to... And I, I stayed a, a devout member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and didn't really question my faith. It was more, okay, what do I need to do different? Something's off, something's wrong right. with me. It wasn't the know? plan. It was like your place exactly, in the plan. Exactly, exactly. And so, so this was I something did you everything were, I like, could. Constantly conscious oh. of. It wasn't something that was like... Every now and again, like, oh, like, this is flaring up. It was something that was constantly it, there. Constant, constant. And I lived in shame and victim for months and years at a time. And I, I had, um, gosh, I did self-help programs. I did eating programs, weight loss programs. I did antidepressants, anti-anxiety drugs. I did, um, I did alternative methods of healing. And I did, um, gosh therapy, counseling. I I just, I tried everything and I was getting to a point in my life where I was like, I'm done. Like I am so done trying. This is how it's going to be. I'm going to be miserable. And then I believe I was divinely led to a mentor who simply taught me about the power of thought. That's it. Mm -hmm. He taught me that I had choice. Mm -hmm. He taught me that there were other options. He taught me how to start becoming more aware of what was going on in my head. And that, that's where it all started changing. And a few years late, few years, excuse me, a few years later, <laughs> I had, um, some more upsets in life that started rocking me and I reverted back to my old behaviors. I, another one of my secondary addictions, usually if you have a primary addiction, a secondary addiction or a third addiction usually follows, but I, I shopped, I spent money and completely I'm being so vulnerable right now it's but um I but I'm okay because that's how we connect right. it's vulnerability right. um but I am just so grateful for these mentors who have given me tools to face my emotions because that's the biggest thing is pain hurts and yeah. we want to run from it mm-hmm. right we are we are mortal human beings and pain is part of life and yet we think we can control not feeling pain Right. And that's just a lie. And that's what Satan wants us to believe. Oh, yeah, go over here. You don't have to look at that. You know, go do that. You can avoid that. And it's just not true. It, emotional healing and self-care means I need to look at it. Feeling is healing. If I'm going to heal my pain, I've got to look at it. If I'm going to heal my fear, I've got to face it. I love that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your experience. Yeah, thank you. And <clears throat> the reason that we love... The idea of vulnerability and the reason we're so grateful to Rochelle for being open about this is we know that there are people out there who are struggling with these things too. Um, we know that there are people who uh, are in these dark places that Rochelle has been at um, and we want them to feel like they're not alone and that there's a way out. Yes, yes. Um, so two, kind of, two sets of people are coming to mind. For me right now, uh, we have the people who are in their formative years developing these pers- these deceptions or these distortions, mm-hmm. and then we have the people who have been in those distortions for years. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and I, I'm wondering what you have to say to both groups of people, or is mm-hmm. it the same thing? Yeah, I think it would actually be the same thing. Um, it it all comes down to self care. I really wholeheartedly believe that as I've experienced it in my life and as I've been sponsoring and coaching people for the last, I mean, it's been 10 years that I've been working on this and helping people. Um, I, I've seen it over and over again that if people, 
the problem is we have a world that's telling us self-care and self-love looks one way, mm -hmm. right? Oh, go get your pedicure and manicure. Go, you know, be, be you in a sense of other people can't be them. It's all, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, it's really can you explain a that? distorted perception of what self-love and self-care is. Can yeah. You, can you explain that difference that a little bit more in detail? Yeah. Um, well, help me out here because you guys are, are in the midst of it as well. But what I am seeing is that the way the world paints self-love is this relativism that uh -huh. you know, we've talked about is that you just, do you, you do you, you be you and you, even the phrase you are enough can actually be quite distorted. Right. Cause it means that there's no yep. room for progression. That's right. That makes sense. And thinking about that again in our culture and people that we know, uh, there's this idea that like, you be you doesn't mean like, hey, you go be who you are right now and like you be rooted in your moment and you're still progressing and whatnot. It, it's, there's a, this connotation that like you be you means, oh, there's nothing you have to do. There's nothing you can do that's better. Like any desire you have is a good desire because it's a your your yep. desire. Yep. Um, yeah. Moral relativism that we've gotten a lot of this morality is a personal thing instead of capital T truth morality, yeah. right? Which is interesting because those of you who are weird history buffs like me and and follow <laughs> like yeah, anyway, the this was kind of the original root of uh Satanism. Like not Satanism in like the necessarily like the goat horns, that kind of Satanism, like with like death metal, that kind of stuff. But like the original naturalists where they said like anything that was natural was good and so like any natural desire couldn't be bad and so like they were kind of like revolting against religion mm. this is something that's been around for a while mm -hmm. it was actually the beginning of never mind that's a different road we'll go down that later <laughs> um that's the problem so many different yeah, things so many pull things. into this topic yeah. yeah sorry sorry for that tangent back to what were we talking about well, just that, that relativity. Oh, of, yeah. Yeah. Oh, self-care versus self-love. Yes, 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 yes. Well, and I, I just see it as, as self-care is what rejuvenates me. It's what refuels me. Because often in this world, we because we don't know how to properly self-care, we start pointing at our fingers at everyone else and saying, you need to accept me for who I am. You need to fulfill this need of mine. Mm -hmm. You, 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 you. And, you know, even in this place of trying to belong or fit in, we tend to point the finger at other people and give them the power to tell us whether we belong or fit in. Right. Where belonging is a very internal sense of, I know who I am, I know where I stand, I know my beliefs, I know my standards, I know all of that. And my boundaries show me who I am. So part of self-care is boundaries. I like to say love of self and love of others is compassion plus boundaries. That's mm -hmm. my new definition of love. Mm -hmm. Like I can have compassion for you and where you're at and this is who I am. Right. It's not a negation of self and it's not a negation of someone else. It's I have compassion for you and I and I get to stand up for who I am. But that doesn't mean I bulldoze someone else for where right. they're at or what they believe. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. So like self-love self is kind of like self gratification or like giving into just whatever desire you have and self care is more, uh, taking care of your mental and physical and spiritual health. 
Is that what I'm kind of getting? Yeah, I, I, I don't necessarily separate self-love and self-care oh, okay. as two mm -hmm. different definitions. Like, I just see it as an appropriate way to self-love and an inappropriate oh, way okay. to self-love. Do you see. see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, again, one is influenced by distortion and one is influenced by truth. Mm -hmm. Because we are created by a God. We have, we are nothing without God. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't have breath. We wouldn't have life. We wouldn't have existence without mm -hmm. him. So part of the whole idea of self-care is, number one, acknowledging my nothingness as compared to God, mm -hmm. and also acknowledging that I'm everything to God. And when I acknowledge that as, as, as I take care of my body, my spirit, I, I qualify self-care as in like five or six different areas. Physical, emotional, spiritual, social, and you can say sexual or basically in your roles as a woman or a man, for example, as a daughter, mm -hmm. as a wife, as a husband, as mm -hmm. a mother, as a father, right? How yeah. am I taking care of myself in those areas? Mm -hmm. gotcha. So you can say sexually or just in my roles, but then I think mental is an important one too. How do I stimulate my mental capacity to grow and learn, right? So I, as, as I counsel with people, one of my, my main things is sit down and take some time to go over those six different areas and find out what would feel so self-nurturing for you to do in each of those different areas. Physically, what feels self-nurturing? Does that mean you have to go in a gym and work out when you hate going to the gym? No, it's not about what everyone else is doing. It's what fuels you. Yeah. Does that mean going and playing on a basketball team? Does that mean going out for a run? Does that mean, you know, yeah. I, I love that whatever. because it's about, so, so much yeah. of our society is based off of how I relate to the larger picture oh, of like Instagram yes, users. Yes, like, I know. Am I, are my kids as cute as like the latest influencer <laughs> I that know. I follow or not? Or like, am I doing the activity that make that people like as much? Like, I don't know. Like, I really like that idea of being rooted in yourself. Mm -hmm. um, this is a, being rooted is a word we might use a lot. It's kind of our marriage philosophy. philosophy. Have, I love like that, for the past guys. couple of years, we have like developed this philosophy that we will maybe we'll do an episode on that if anyone cares at all to hear what that is. But That's we'll, um, this idea of being rooted um, in, with the individual in mind is all about understanding your needs and your desires and your wants, which are totally different from other people's. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, for example, I beat myself up so hard after having my babies because it was like, well, especially after Ruth, the last one, I was like exercising every day during pregnancy and like, like superwoman, not to like, she did a 5k mom, at like, 37 weeks? Yeah, but after that... Like a race. That, like, like, <laughs> like a big race she went into. No, but after having her, I was like, why am I not... Like, why can't I exercise? Why am I not fast anymore? Why does this hurt? And like... Also, homegirl lost all of her baby okay, weight. stop. We do not No, no, no. no. Like six that. weeks after she uh, had the baby. Not saying that's what you have to do to be good or no, anything like that. But not. just to give you an idea of the types of distortions that can come in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like, even though that had happened, like I was still so like angry at myself because I couldn't be the same person. My body didn't look the same, even though it was like still a functioning and great, like 
a beautiful body. Like she's that hot. God, no, stop. She's hot. She's like God gave <laughs> me this honest. opportunity to have a baby and to carry a baby and to recover nicely, and yet I was still so like angry at myself. Yeah. And so like that being rooted is like, be where you are. Like you just had a baby. Like just. The reality. The reality that's is the, that the reality. your body might not look the same and that's okay. Like you can still embrace it and love it and be happy. That's one of the key principles of staying in a place of truth is seeing the reality and surrendering what you can't control. Those two principles, reality and surrender. Yeah. The reality is you just had a baby. Mm-hmm. The surrender part is you can't control how quickly your body chooses to shed right. the weight after yeah. having a baby. <laughs> no. You can do all you can, but you still have our subject to mm-hmm. just simply your gene makeup and how your yeah. body is going to deal with that experience. Yeah. So we really want to give all of our listeners like concrete yep. things that they can do. So mm-hmm. we talked about creating your list of the six different areas or five or six different areas and seeing what do I need to do to feel self-nurtured in this area? Um, then what, like, do you go out and do it? Like, how do you balance how often you do those things? Like can you just help people who are in this, in this area and they're trying to get out? Yeah. Maybe some like actionable solutions. Could you maybe provide some of those? Yeah. I mean, the hard thing is, is that again, this is, this is something that is geared to you at the reality of your stage of your life, right? right? So, for, so there's no quick fix. There's is no. What you're are you kidding me? <laughs> quick no fixes quick, are a total fix. illusion, people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lifelong pattern of living in self love and self care is is established over time, and it's practice, practice, practice. But it it really is a very personal thing. I. I can say that the basing your different like um, areas of self-care in a place of reality, I think is really important. For example, for you, you know, um, Emily, what would it look like to have physical self-care for you when you have two little kids? You know, Mm -hmm. what does that look like for you in your stage of life? Like right now, I'm really blessed because we're both in school and so Andrew's not working right now. So I can go run every day if I want to, which is really nice right now. But when he starts working, like I'm really going to have to make some mental, yeah, have some mental self-care because I might not be able to do all of the physical self-care that I would like to do. Right. But I need to kind of almost like start now, like preparing myself for that moment where... I just have to be okay with where we're at, where I can't maybe exercise every day or I can't just go run by myself. Because let me ask you this, when you don't have that opportunity, Mm -hmm. where can your mind go? Do you see how it's such an entry point into distortion? It definitely is. Of I can't work out and that means this about me and that means this about me and that means this. And that's a key phrase for us to become aware of is we have an experience. If we start attaching that phrase and that means this about me, Mm -hmm. we know we're heading into distortion. That's a really good Because reality is reality. And surrendering to the reality that you know, Andrew's going to go back to work, Mm -hmm. you know? So how am I going to manage it then? Does that mean that I go running when he gets home from work? Does that mean that I get up early before he leaves? Accepting the reality of where you're at in life, doing as much as you can to, to create for yourself the experiences and the self-care that you can and surrendering what you can't control is how you stay in a place of truth. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to, is there anything else you want to tell Maybe this is your, your, uh, how do I say this? 
there are probably people out there praying for help right now. Yes. So to that 15-year-old girl or 21-year-old boy, whoever it is, praying for help that somehow found our Instagram or found our podcast okay. because all of you lovely listeners are sharing us constantly. Uh, <laughs> what do you tell them? Like, what, what, what do you want them to know right now? Oh, I think one of the most important truths that we have been admonished to connect to and believe about ourselves, not just at a head level, but at a heart level, is the truth that we are divine. And because of that beautiful truth, we know that there is a God um, that we can reach out to for peace, for help, and that we're never alone. We're never alone. The beauty of this journey is to acknowledge that I'm human, I'm gonna make mistakes, there's no shame in that. And when shame starts to creep in, if you can look at it as the voice of Satan, that's one of my big passions as I teach my children is start to become aware of the voice of Satan in your life. What is he saying to you that after you hear that voice, it, it, it gives you uncomfortable feelings of shame, of discouragement, of misery, of disappointment in yourself or someone else, start to become aware. And as I have done that, I'm telling you, my life is totally different. My life is totally different for two basic reasons. Number one, we're human and we need validation on our humanness. Mm -hmm. So find someone that is there that can sit with you in your humanness. I love that phrase. Find someone that is safe that can sit with you in your humanness and say, oh my gosh, I get it. That makes sense. We all need that. Yeah, we do. Because we're human beings having a human vulnerable experience. And we're all doing it. Like, <laughs> we're, we all are. That's how we perfect. can connect. Yeah. If we can be vulnerable and allow ourselves to share our humanity with others in a raw, real way, that's where connection is. And if you think about it, we are all born to this earth needing connection. That is what we are seeking. That is what we are needing, but we block ourselves because we choose to put on a fake face or be invulnerable or sit in places of self-adulation or self-denigration. We hide, we isolate, and that keeps us from the one thing that we truly need, and that's connection. Connection with ourselves and our divine nature, connection with God, and connection with other people. Those are the three things that we need. And if we find ourselves in distortion, Satan is going to do all in his power to keep us from getting that connection with mm -hmm. self, God, and others. And so find someone that you can connect with. Find someone who is safe that you can connect with. And number two, again, this comes back to my whole idea of love. Have compassion for self, have compassion with others, and start to create these boundaries of self-care. This is who I am. This is what I need. And that is so critically important to start honoring yourself in that way because that's where you will find true peace. Peace doesn't come from outside in. It comes from the inside out. Yeah, it does. Perfect. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much. No, you're welcome. We're just super grateful that we got to sit here and talk about these important things with Rochelle. I have been super uplifted and am really eager to use these new principles and strategies in my own life. Yeah, as you can tell, she's a wonderful person to talk to, has lots of really great insights. Um, and if you're anything like us, you are sitting at home or in your car, in the drive-thru, or on your run at the beach. <laughs> Why do and, people even run at the beach? It's way too hard. It is very hard. And you're thinking, man, I wish I had another 30 minutes of this conversation because it is so dang good. 
You can have that. Yeah. So we actually continued our conversation on with Rochelle uh, for about another 30 minutes. And we're going to make that episode three of our podcast. We were just going to have her be one episode, but our conversation with her was so good that we didn't want to... Um, we didn't want to cut her off. It yeah. was just so great. She had so much uh, good stuff to say that we decided to make this two two episodes. So episode three is going to be focusing more on using the strategies and the mindsets that we talked about earlier in our family relationships. So dealing with our spouse and with our children and how to um, just relate to each other better yeah and how, understand better how to have yeah how to relate to each other better and how to develop a, again a stronger outpost of heaven yeah so talk to you next time have a blessed day <laughs>